0: Well, last year, about this time, I got up before the church and I mentioned that we would be taking some time to recognize our seniors. Now, what I understand, Sharon Miller turned over to Sharon Reuter and said, this will be great. They're going to recognize us today. And Sharon Reuter said, I know, isn't this exciting? But they were disappointed to learn that I was talking about our graduating seniors from high school and not our senior saints, so as not to create the same confusion this morning, we will be taking time to recognize Sharon, not you specifically, but our graduating seniors from high school. And so we are excited about that. But I also want you to know that we've made the decision to really take this entire service to, to focus in on what I'm calling family ministry at Melanie Park, what we do with our, our student and children ministries. <laughs> I want you to understand that the significance of what this is for our, our church family in terms of the impact that is being made. Just to kind of give you perspective, I went and pulled out the church directory this past week, and I looked inside of it and just counted the number of kids within family units. And would you believe, in this little church, there are over 175 of those kids. That's a lot for a church this size. We're very productive It's very good. But needless to say, what we do in family ministry obviously has a significant importance here at Melanie Park. And so one of the things that I wanted us to do is just spend some time visiting about what it means to be committed to this part of our church, to know what we are committing ourselves to as as brothers and sisters in Christ in the family of God. I probably uh, one of the things that I thought about, too, is that we probably don't really appreciate those who have engaged in this part of the the ministry here at Mellon Park. So if you would pull out your bulletin and there's an insert there, I want you to take a look at that and look closely at the names that are listed there on the front and on the back. As you can see, that's a lot of people, isn't it? It's 76 to, to be exact. And that doesn't even include people who sub in on occasion and those who've helped out or, in fact, those who will sign up to help us this summer. Uh, they're not listed on there, but, but this is a good list of those who have consistently plugged in to the life of children and student ministries over the last year. These are significant events that are happening within our body. There are people engaged in what happens with family ministry at Millie Park, and we want to be committed together to raising up that next generation of Christian disciples, and in an effort to give you a visual of what that looks at looks like, just take a look at this video to really appreciate what i 'm talking about Chris
1: just joined Mellon Park pretty quickly, and I don't know if we had officially become members yet, but at that same time, there was a need for the children's ministry, and we both just felt led that that's where we needed to be at that time. Our passion is, um, has always been kids. we fostered
2: and we've adopted, and so it's fun now to just do that at a local body as well and try to raise up that next generation reward. So. I,
3: I really feel like I've been reaching the kids lately. They've, uh, they've come a long way. We've had many great discussions about things that teenagers don't normally talk about and things that they're not really going to seek their parents to talk about. I and mean, that's, that's why we're here. You know, we're here to reach those kids and, and to, to be a, a great counselor and guide for them, but, but also to be a, a friend and, and a listener for when they need it most.
4: I've been involved in student ministry for three years, and I got involved because um, I saw a need. There were no older women really actively involved with the youth group at the time. So um, that really
5: is what drew me. I have been involved here at Melanie Park in the four and five-year-old ministry ever since my daughter was was five years old, and she is now 30. And um, so that would be 25 years. When I first started, I thought that it was going to be kind of a babysitting job you know or and and I and I quickly learned that that was definitely not the case that these little guys are so smart and um, and they are so um, so loving these children have taught me a lot a lot about God and in his
6: love
4: he's really taught me that I'm going to do the same thing um, that they are you know, I'm dealing with the same issues. We're all sinners. We're all still, you know, battling the same battles. And um, I get to walk through that with them, and they get to walk through it with me too.
3: He's had to teach me some, some patience, because uh, I have my own selfish ways and selfish things I want to be doing. And I've, you know, I've had to kind of put some of those things aside just to uh, be prepared for what I'm about to teach those kids. Um, it's amazing how well you. You learn something whenever you have to teach it.
7: I think for me, what, what the Lord has taught me a lot this year is, um, again, just reliance on Him. This class has just mate has amazed me. Um, just the sweet things that they have said and the prayers that they have prayed for each other, um, the, the answers that they have given and how they have grown. I mean, I, we have both just cried tears of joy. And so that, that's what the Lord has taught me, is just not dependence on me or on Doug, but just on him to let like go and let him see what he can do.
3: The students that, that we are teaching each week take things from the studies that we're doing and they're, uh, they're asking their own parents and their, their siblings, you know, what do you think about this? Um, we see many parents coming down and, and wanting to talk with us and hang out with us for a while and, and we encourage that. I mean we'd love to see everyone involved.
5: It's more of a privilege for me than than making time. It's it's oh it's it's awesome. It's an awesome experience. I it's exciting to know that there's another generation that, that is gonna be just so in love and so on fire for the Lord.
4: What I really loved about serving in the Melanie Park Youth Group is being invited and welcomed into the homes of the students that are in my youth group. Having a dinner with their families and being a part of their family, and, they, and the families that I've gotten to know have totally uh, blessed me and, um, in the sense of uh, welcoming me in that way. As they build in me, I'm also able to build into into the girls' lives too.
2: I think the days of having Sunday school
1: when you cut a few things out on paper, draw a few pictures, and tell a few stories of the Old Testament should be done. We're at a season in the body of Christ that, in a time in history, that this next generation coming up needs so much of the Lord to be able to walk in this world.
7: Every week we try and give them something something to, that they can do at home, some kind of a little challenge that they can do, whether it's reading, reading some kind of scripture, or pick someone that you can pray for. If it doesn't pierce their heart and if they don't make it real once they get out of here, then I feel like we haven't done our job. <laughs> so we try and, um, like I said, give them a, a little challenge or something, a nugget, so that when they leave here, it, it leaves with them. The children's ministry is a great place where at all levels, nursery and and kids' ministry and the youth group, we're just raising up disciples um, to go out and and do the same.
0: that great. Wow. But that's what it's all about. That really gives you a picture of what we're committing ourselves to partnering with parents to raise up the next generation of Christian disciples. And so much of what we do in our children and student ministries here at Melanie Park reflects the heartbeat of what our true mission is. And to be clear on what that mission is, I want to look at a passage of scripture with you that's very familiar. Turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Many of you will recognize this very familiar passage of Scripture as the Great Commission. As Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he tells them, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, And of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. These are the the parting words of Jesus, his final charge, if you will. This same idea is echoed later on in the book of Acts, when he once again turns to his disciples. And in this case, he says to them, uh, but you will receive, in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. The church of Jesus Christ has been called to make disciples. We have all been commissioned to declare the good news of God's forgiveness through faith in Christ alone. It, it begins in Jerusalem, the Scripture says. But, but I think even more specifically, and, I, and I'm convinced in my own life that this is the heart of what Jesus had in mind when He spoke of, to, of this to the disciples, that not only just Jerusalem, I believe the Great Commission begins in your home. Both your family's home and as well as this church home. Because some of you here this morning, you have kids, right? And, and your kids are older and they may even have families of their own. And Some of you are single. Some of you are newly married. You don't have kids yet. You hope to have a family someday. And so does that mean, perhaps, that you're exempt? That this calling to, to raise up the next generation of, of Christian disciples doesn't apply to you? Well, listen, when I tell you, absolutely not. If you think about what we say when we do baby dedications here at Million Park, we, we talk about the commitment that those parents are making to raise their children in the context of a godly home. But we emphasize the fact that that's only half of the commitment being made that morning. The other commitment is what we do as a church family To join with them. We too are accepting the responsibility. To invest ourselves in the lives of those same children and students. So that we partner with parents to raise them up. In the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And what we do in our children and student ministries as an example. It is a tangible outflow of that commitment. The church has a responsibility to equip you as parents, but also to to partner with you so that together we are raising up the next generation of Christian disciples. You see, that list in the bulletin represents the names of those who understand the mission to which we have been called. And they have willingly agreed to partner with you as parents, along with so many others in this church body, to raise up that next generation. And I want you to know that when I talk about this partnership, I do so based on an important assumption. The assumption being that we as parents are intentionally investing in the spiritual lives of our kids. Because if we as parents, and let me add to that, as grandparents intend for our kids Sunday school class or their Christian school or their youth group to be the primary source of spiritual input and and biblical guidance in our in their lives, then we need to understand that we are forsaking the responsibility that God has given us to fulfill. Because your home, listen to me, your home is your most important mission field the church has an important and necessary role as we partner with parents but only in support of what should already be happening in the lives of their family because honestly if they don't see it being lived out in your life then it's going to be real hard for what that sunday school teacher has to say to be all that convincing And so the balance is found when when we appreciate the fact and it is a fact that it is hard. And trust me, I know this to be true. It is hard to raise a child in today's world. And and so parents should not they should not carry this responsibility on their own, isolating themselves from the context of the community of faith. You see, God created the body of Christ for a purpose. and, And I believe this is one of those purposes The Scripture tells us that He places the members, each one of them, in His body, the the church, just as He intends. It goes on to say that each person is gifted uniquely by the Holy Spirit, that we should together work for the common good. You see, God intends for parents and, and grandparents to be the spiritual leaders in their homes. But he also intends for the church to come alongside these families in order to partner with them, striving together toward a common goal, a goal of raising up the next generation of Christian disciples, children and students who are willing to abandon all that the world has to offer in order to follow Christ alone. Interesting, there's actually a picture of this, I believe, in the Old Testament that describes what I would like for us to understand this morning. So if you would, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you'll begin reading with me in verse 1. This is Moses speaking, and he says this. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I am commanding you, you you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, he says, you should listen and be careful to do it so that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. The first thing that I think is important to understand is that Moses is speaking collectively to the people of Israel. On one hand, in verse 2, as we saw, he instructs the parents... And the grandparents to teach and to guide their children and their grandchildren. They are to speak of the things of God and be forever mindful of all that God has commanded all the days of their life. And then in verse 3, he says, O Israel. In other words, O people of God. Or for us today, O church of Jesus Christ. Collectively. We are called in partnership with parents to teach the next generation to fear the Lord and to keep His commandments. Or in the language of the New Testament, we are to introduce them to the life and ministry of our Savior, Jesus Christ, to tell them about how He came to seek and save that which was lost. We are to guide them in the principles of godly living. Things like how important it is to serve the needs of others is more important than our own. How important it is to let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only that which is good for encouragement, according to the need of that moment, so that it may give grace to those who hear. All this goes to say that we want our kids to trust in the Lord to the point that they are willing to abandon all the world has to offer in order to follow God and to find their sufficiency. In Christ alone. This is both our individual as well as our collective responsibility. A commitment that begins in our homes. And I want you to see what that looks like. Look at verse 4 with me. He continues on and says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And with all your might. There it is again. He says, Hear, O Israel. Hear, O people of God. Hear, O Church of Jesus Christ. Hear, O Melanie Park. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Love Him with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. What Moses seems to be saying here is that raising up the next generation. To trust in the Lord can only be accomplished when we find that to be true in our lives as well. As Bob reminded us at the the men's retreat this past month, he says, You cannot lead someone else to a place you have not been yourself. In other words, what we say to our kids what we do to invest in the lives of our young people should always flow out of the personal experience of our abiding walk with Christ. Because I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but kids have a very high sensitivity to noticing hypocrisy. Have you noticed that? They can see it a mile away when we say things that are true, but we don't live them in our own lives. They can see it. Now, at the risk of my own reputation, let me give you an example of what that has looked like in my life. This past year, uh, Graham and I were working on a treehouse in our backyard. And uh, we were at a point in the project where, let's just say, things weren't working out like I had hoped they would. And I was getting increasingly frustrated, okay? So I, uh, instead of taking time to step away and, and collect myself, just pressed on, right? Getting to the point of anger and uh, I'm afraid to admit taking the board that would not cut the way it was supposed to, chunking it across the the yard followed by a few words that you will not find in the book of Scripture. (laughs) It was at this moment that Graham turned to me very appropriately, very gently (laughs) and he said, you know, Dad, What you just said doesn't seem to be very consistent with what you say you believe. And he was right. He was absolutely right. In fact, we had just been talking about what it means to rely on the Lord during difficult circumstances. (laughs) How ironic. My point here is that if we want to teach our kids what it means to trust God, In the Lord, they need to see it being lived out consistently in our lives as well. You see, this is important. The word of God is trustworthy. The word of God is trustworthy. But it will lose its credibility if you try to teach it in a way that is not consistent with how you live. Remember that. So here, O Melanie Park, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. May we love the Lord with all our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our might. And may everything we do as we lead our families flow out of this relationship. Look at verse 6 with me, if you would. Moses goes on to say, And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons. Let me stop there and just make this observation. Moses, once again, reinforces how these commands must be in your heart and that you shall diligently teach them to your sons and your daughters, your grandsons and your granddaughters. Remember, he's not only just talking to parents here, he's talking to the people of God. In our situation, the church of Jesus Christ. And what he tells us is that we should diligently teach them the truths of Scripture. The observation that I would make here is that, yes, the next generation needs to see the truths of Scripture being lived out in our lives. But we are also called to help them understand how those truths apply to their lives as well, helping them make their faith their own. Because they cannot survive living off of their parents' faith. They have got to internalize those convictions so when they go to stand on them, they have something to hold on to. This is important because I've heard parents say, you know, I'm not very good at talking about the Bible, so I'm just hoping that what they see in my life teaches them everything they need to know. Well, I'm glad you want to live a godly life, but your example alone is insufficient to raise up this next generation. I agree with what Doug said. We are at a time in the season of the church that our kids need to be equipped, perhaps much more than they ever have, to stand strong in the world that surrounds them and the influences that they face every single day. And the other thing that we have to remember as well is that that God has not given us permission to pass this responsibility on to someone else. It's not okay to say, yes, I agree. I think it's really important for them to, to have good biblical instruction. And so that's why we've put them in a Christian school. Or that's why we want them to be involved in the youth group. Again, those are some really good things. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. But you, mom and dad, have been given the responsibility to diligently teach your children. We have not been afforded permission To pass that on to anyone else. Again, those are some really good things. But the responsibility belongs to the parents to be the first place where those truths are being taught. And you, O Melanie Park, are called to partner with them in an effort to do the same. These other influences are great but always secondary, I believe, to the home and to the church family. Because these are the two places where people have come together, most openly committing themselves to a defined list of values and biblical tenets that most closely align with their biblical worldview. And as a side note here, that's why we take membership at Melanie Park as, as something to be so important. We have no interest in membership for the sake of creating a roll call. Instead, membership at Melanie Park is intended to be a sincere commitment to a covenant of fellowship that can only be fulfilled when we are engaging in the lives of one another well beyond what happens on Sunday morning. Only then can we fulfill this calling to partner with parents, to diligently teach our children so that together we raise up the next generation of Christian disciples. I believe strongly that this happens best in our own home and in the life of our church as we strive together towards a common goal. Let me give you a quick example, again, from my own life that that I found to be true and evident of, of why this is important. It happens to relate to what I've mentioned before in some of the time spent with other men in raising a modern day knight. You remember, that's the time that we committed to each other as men, as dads of sons, to raise up our men to be strong in the world in which they will face. And as a part of that, one of the things that we committed to is to spend individual time with our sons, to just go and be with them and say, hey, son, how am I doing as a dad? What are the things that I'm doing well and and how are some, what are some things that maybe I can do a little better? We open up those lines of communication to talk to them about what God is doing in our life, what, what we've done in the past, maybe even failures that we've made, and how God has rescued us and how we continue to look at Scripture to guide us as those biblical principles show us the way in which we are to live. And we pass that on to them. But also important is the commitment that we made to one another as fathers. A kind of commitment that, for example, when I, when Graham goes over to Kate Gilbert's house or when Grant goes over to the Landusky's house or for that matter, when they're involved in student ministry or what we do on Sunday night clubs. I am confident because of the commitment that we have made to one another, that the instruction that they are receiving in my home will be echoed in those homes and in those places as well. Whatever the case, I know that that is what is happening. You see, I want to diligently teach my family the truths of God in the context of a community of believers who are willing to do the same. That, I believe, is the mark of Scripture that we should all be striving towards. It goes on in verse 7. Look at that with me. It says, You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk to them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, When you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall shall be as frontals on your forehead. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. As we look at Deuteronomy 6 as a whole, we can see that we must lead our families out of an experience of our own personal walk with the Lord. It it commands us to, to diligently teach them the truths of Scripture. And now here... In verse 7, we learn that this goes beyond our own personal devotion, beyond the words that we may speak, and it must infiltrate, it must invade the lives in which we live. When we sit down, when we walk by the way, when we lie down and when we rise up, they should be on our heart and on our mind, following us in the world and residing with us in our homes. Now, I hope you get the picture here that, that raising up the next generation of Christian disciples is not a passive approach. As verse 7 reminds us, we are to be diligent, requiring a, an intentional effort on our part. It is accomplished within the, the context of a Christian community where life is not segregated into the spiritual and the non-spiritual. If you look around our church family, you're going to see single-parent homes You're going to see families who have adopted. You're going to see families who are fostering. And we should not look at any of those from a distance and admire what they're doing, but we should, in fact, join with them, standing together, raising up the next generation of Christian disciples, knowing that we have been given a mission, a mission that starts in our homes, a mission to see lives transformed, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we finish up this morning, the students want to come forward. I want to give you a visual picture of what this looks like. And as they come forward and what they're going to do is they're going to open up their lives to you. And so I want you to listen closely and watch what being communicated Because what you're going to see is the evidence of lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ through the influence of this body of Christ who have engaged in the mission to go and make disciples. So what they will hold on their board is being represented up on the screen. Look closely and be amazed at what God is doing.
6: and i realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me and oh
0: bravery. Thank you. Well, I hope you've got a picture this morning of what it looks like to be the family of God that God has called us to be, to raise up the next generation of Christian disciples. I hope you understand, regardless of what season of life that you're in, that as a part of the body of Christ, we share responsibility to invest ourselves in the lives of the children so that that can happen. Lives transformed by the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, saved by grace through faith alone. Now we're going to take the opportunity to pray for our seniors. And so as they come forward, uh, go ahead and, uh, if you would, do that. And know that, as I think Mark mentioned or somebody, Carrie mentioned this morning, they're entering into a season of their life where they're on their own. And we talked about helping them make their faith their own. Well, now is that time um, where their faith has to become their own. And so we want to pray for them and encourage them as they enter into this next season of their life. And I'm going to hand it over to Bruce and let him take it from here.
1: Hey, we want to just thank you guys for doing this, for coming up here. But also, um, we just want to say that we're proud of you guys. Thank you so much um, for doing this, and we're proud of you guys. We're moving on to the next phase of life. So what we want to do is just let each uh, senior who's graduating share what their future plans are. And then after that, seniors, if you could hand your mic to your prayer warrior let them pray for you just a short, less than a minute prayer, if you could, please. Thank you. Okay, my plans are to go to ACU um, next year, and I'm going to major in biology and hopefully uh, follow my dad in dentistry.
8: This is uh, Tanner Gregory, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Last time I was up here with him, I had to introduce him as I held him in my arms. at his baby dedication, and I think that was about uh, two months ago or something. (laughs) Father, we uh, thank you for Tanner and and the young man that he's uh, grown up to be, and and, uh, his mother and I are so proud of him and love him so much, and we thank you uh, for life ahead, and and for these uh, great times that we have and father just bless him and keep him strong and and uh, give him great discernment for truth and just bless his life and and help him to stay stay strong and father we thank you that he's uh, been able to grow up in this church and with all these uh, great people around him and and just uh bless him as he goes forward we pray this through Jesus name amen
9: Hi, I'm Claire Bruffy, and um, I grew up homeschooled. I'll be graduating from homeschool, and I played basketball with the Lubbock Titans. Um, I recently signed scholarship with McMurray University in Abilene, and I'll be playing basketball there. And um, I'll be majoring in elementary education, and my dream is to one day serve the Lord in the mission field. So,
10: Lord, I just want to come before you. I want to give thanks to you for the blessing that Claire has been to our home. I give thanks to you for the song that she's brought to it. I just pray that you would go before her. I pray that she would continue to be the light, the light for you. I thank you for her passion. May her passion be for you. and may it be to all your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray.
7: Hi, I'm Rachel McCartney, and in the fall I'm going to be going to Belhaven University in Mississippi and be majoring in piano performance and pedagogy.
11: Our Father in heaven, I am humbled to be asked to come here and to give you thanks for this young lady who has demonstrated in her life what it means to be raised in a Christian home and what it means to be dedicated to learning the Word of God. I thank you for Rachel. I thank you for the demonstration in the Bible classes that she has been in with us that she has a desire to serve you. And our Father, I pray for her that you would fulfill your promise, go with her, continue to encourage her, continue to strengthen her, continue to enable her to be a witness for you. This is my trust. This is my belief in you and what you've done and begun in her life. Grant this grace unto her, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.
7: Hi, I'm Ann McAlpine, and I'll be going to Texas Tech in the fall, and I'm going in undecided, but I know God has a path for me, and we'll just see what he has for me in the next few
9: years. Jesus, I just thank you so much. I thank you that we as a church, myself, have been able to see just Anne grow up just spiritually, physically, emotionally, for that she is... Um, Continue to grow as a daughter of you. Lord, I just pray right now, knowing that you do have an incredible path ahead of her. Lord, I pray that you would, as she goes off into a new unknown, Lord, that you would provide those friends that will be a source of encouragement. You will provide, continue to provide a body that will seek after her. And, Lord, above all, I just pray that her, the things that she has learned, the things that have been entrusted to her, will become part of her faith as she walks out on her own. Lord, I pray, I praise you for knowing the great things that are already to come. And, Lord, we just, um, Lord, we rejoice in knowing as we see this, this young lady just continue to grow in you. And, Lord, we rejoice in that. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for all that you will continue to do in her future. In Jesus' name, amen. You're going to make me cry,
7: Karen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm Adriana Vanover. A lot of you know me. Uh, My family doesn't go here. I come by myself. But I'm a graduating senior from Friendship High School this year. And I plan on pursuing my degree in criminology, minor in psychology at the University of Mississippi in, in January. And it's a huge step, and I'm just glad that I have all the support here, and y'all are really going to make me cry. <laughs> and, uh, thanks. this.
9: Dear Lord, I just want to thank you for this wonderful friend that you've allowed me to get to know over the past couple of years. Um, She's grown a lot, and I just I pray that you'll be with her as she goes to Old Miss and that you'll direct her path and that she'll know the direction that you want her to go and that she won't fall astray and that she'll remember the foundation that she has is with you just be with her and just teach her and let her grow in you Christ I pray amen.
10: I'm uh, Chris Gulick, and I will be studying wildlife biology at Texas Tech Honors College in the fall.
6: Father, what a
12: wonderful joy it is to be standing with uh, Chris. And Father, I just thank you for the stature, the, the commitment, the character that this young man has. But Father, the uh, the prayer also reaches out to to his father and his mother and his sister, his grandmother. And all those family members who have gone before Chris, who have loved you, have given their lives to you. And Father, they have taught him. They've taught him the, the meaning of the word of God. And they've taught him how important it is to love you with all of his heart, and all of his soul, and all of his strength. Father, you have uh, taken a young man and humbled him at Lubbock And you have given him opportunities that only a man of God could have. And I thank you for that that privilege of being a part of his life for so long and but also the the privilege of being with his family. Father, he has respected his mother and father. He has honored them in everything that he's done. And Father, I just know that this is a commandment that you've given to these children, and he's grown up to be a young man now. And we just really do thank you for the exaltation that you have given to him because of his humility. And we thank you, Father, for what's ahead of him. Thank you for the scholarships that he's earned from Tech. And that would be a very, very good blessing to their family that his education will be taken care of. Thank you for his beloved uh, sister, Amy, and all she meant to him all the days of his life. Thank you, Father, for this wonderful young man. In your name we pray. Amen.
3: Uh, My name is Dave Miller. Um, In the fall, I'll be going to Texas A&M. I'll be majoring in international studies and minor in business and hope so
2: becoming a missionary one day. Heavenly Father, thank you for Dave and thank you for the countless people that have um, stood beside him and invested in his life and and continue to be that light at his feet and show him the good works that you have prepared for him. Um, And through... Every success and mistake in his future and those perfect and imperfect moments, if you could use all of those to draw him even closer to you. Uh, thanks for for Dave's strength and that allows him to, to live boldly for you. And uh, um, whether that's in our front yard or in College Station or in the mission field, um, let countless others know you, because I knew Dave. In Christ's name, amen.
1: I'm uh, Parker Wentz, and um, I'll be graduating from Trinity Christian, but I'm going to go to Abilene Christian and uh, be studying um, bio-business in hopes that maybe one day I'll be an orthodontist like my dad.
10: Father thank you for all your many blessings. Thank you for uh, what a blessing Parker's been for our family. Uh, just want to thank the people here at uh, melanie park and and echo so many of those uh, prayers from uh, when he was dedicated as a as a baby here to uh, being baptized here uh, just the the great teaching and uh, the the people that have poured poured their lives into uh, into Parker. Uh, just want to thank you for that and Lord uh, says wherever two or more are gathered in your name there you are also lord i just asked uh for that for that continued prayer that continued blessing as he goes off and uh, faces the world and uh just hope that uh he stays plugged into your vine and uh and, and gets to be a stronger and stronger branch for you lord there's going to be so many different philosophies so many different uh world views that come his way please help him to uh to use the uh, the word that he's learned here, uh, to uh, continue to uh, see God's face and in, in, in His direction as He filters out uh, which way that you want Him to go. Please uh, continue to bless Him on that path, and Lord, if He uh, if He stumbles, please uh, help Him to uh, to get up, and to look toward You, and and to keep on that journey, just keeping uh, keeping Your word in His heart, and uh, just help Him to uh, to honor and glorify you in all He does, in Jesus' name, Amen. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Seniors, if you could wait right there just for a second, um, can we give these guys a hand just to congratulate them? here's, here's something I heard at a Cats and Crowns concert <laughs> just recently. Um, they said that seniors graduate. But disciples of Christ, they don't graduate. They continue in this journey. And our biggest prayer that I heard through all this is that you pursue Christ. You find fellowship where you can be in a group of people pursuing Christ together. That's our challenge and our prayer for you. Looks like we have some gifts. Maybe we can hand out the gifts and I'll pray. I think the Titus 2 woman put this together. Is that right? Thank you so much. Thank you so much, ladies. And let's pray. All right. Father, we're so grateful for the work you've done in these seniors' lives. Thank you for the work you're going to continue to do in these seniors' lives. And our biggest prayer, God, is that they would pursue you, Lord Jesus, with all that they have. Um, God, would you... Bless them with incredible fellowship, people who are going to push them in the Lord. And, uh, and God, protect them as they go off and, and help them to just continually make their faith their own. Um, thank you so much for each and every person here. We commit them into your hands, and we love you, Jesus. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.